I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Number to call with your questions. The phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions at 57500. Our feature for the top of the 9 o'clock hour is lawn stress, because we all know that right now the lawns are stressed. They've just come through several weeks of triple-digit temperatures, or close to the triple digits anyway, Ton, and that is enough to cause a lot of stress. Having a problem today. Turn on your on microphone. My microphone on. <laughs> but what I will say about this is that the hundred degree temperatures, as you we talked about last segment, sod webworms invaded, and you know bill bugs and white grubs and black turf and tenius and all these different things that attack your lawn. The stress of the temperatures can make your lawn more susceptible to them. And the big one in the conversation is also drought stress. Mm-hmm. And so the month of July was really tough on lawns. And no matter how much you watered, there were areas that the lawn just went dormant, no matter because of the temperatures, depending on the kind of grass you have. Yeah. And, and as s- I mentioned earlier, I thought we just had drought stress and then found out, no, we don't. We have something else. Yes. And so the question is, after your lawn has been damaged, what do you do to help it recover? Now, my first, and it's not in the fact sheet, but my first question is, do you use that portion of your lawn a lot? And if it's already damaged, why not just tear it out? There goes the issues with all of the you know, the irrigation and grubs and things, put it into a shrub bed or a flower bed or a new patio, you know, something along those lines if you don't use that area very much. There's some very inexpensive options you can do, and it will it may reduce your water bill a bit, but it also reduce your headaches after it's after whatever you're going to do is installed. Mm-hmm. So there, there is that option. But as, if you use that portion of your lawn a lot, then you need to look at the amount of damage that the lawn has to determine if you're going to tear it out and re-sod or reseed or just top dress with seed so that it can fill in over time and recover. 
Okay. So how do you decide what the problem is? Like I said, I thought I had drought stress and it wasn't. It was moths. When you sod see web brown patches, check it. You know, the first thing I'll do is just walk over to a brown patch and even in other people's yards, they think I'm a weirdo. They'll be talking to me and all of a sudden I'm over like pulling a little, up their lawn a yeah, little bit. pulling up their lawn and just to see. And if it pulls up very easily, then it's most likely insect damage like the sod web worm or another species of grub. And for many of these pests, it's too late to treat in the middle of the summer unless it's sod web worm. So you need to figure out what it is. And now the other thing you can do is get a long screwdriver the day after you've irrigated and just stick it into the soil. And that screwdriver should enter the soil at least six inches deep. And if it doesn't, then it's most likely drought stress or compacted soil causing the problem. Now, if it's brown and the screwdriver's going in just fine and it doesn't pull up, that would point to a fungal disease, and that sample needs to be mailed off to the USU Pest Lab to see if they can determine what fungus is causing the problem. Okay, so first thing is determine what the problem is before you start trying to do Fix all sorts it. of other yes. things. Okay, then once you've determined that you've figured out the problem, you've solved it, then how do you get your lawn to just come back and be beautiful and green? If your lawn is still partially intact and you have 30 or 40% of the grass still there, then just putting, raking out the dead grass the best you can, maybe even aerating the area and putting new grass seed down is going to be the simplest solution. And they can do that this time of year and have They can. It be it's better to wait until late August, but they can do it now. They just need to water sufficiently so the grass seed doesn't die. The other thing, though, is that if it's mostly dead and has to be completely ripped out, then you prep the area like you're going to do new sod or seed because you are. That would include some tilling, maybe mixing some organic matter in and putting the sod down when you can get it or reseeding it by the end of this month. But then we're back to maintenance. We if are. you don't maintain it properly, then you're going to have the same problems Check your sprinkling over and over system again. to make sure that it's running sufficiently. You know, we always tell people to check their system in the spring, but it actually needs to be checked every couple of weeks. You know, run it on a manual cycle for a couple minutes a zone to give you time to observe and make sure that there aren't any clogged heads or broken pipes. You know, we've had so much algae and plant matter in our irrigation water that filters are clogging, clogging up more quickly. And so that also needs to be monitored regularly. Anything else that you think we need to add? Well, just consider if it's already dead, you know, do you need to replace it? You know, because if that sod isn't used very often, the only time it gets traffic is when you mow it, then consider just putting something else in. Uh, we will be posting a fact sheet on some of this, uh, well, on the topic, and then just be patient and just know that no matter how much you work on your lawn, there's always going to be brown spots, there's always going to be insect pests, fungal diseases, and just follow the recommendations of irrigating a couple times a week, 
mowing at three inches, making sure that the sprinklers are running well, and that'll eliminate 50 to 70% of your lawn problems. Okay, here's my personal problem. Many of our neighbors have people who do their yards, and their yards don't have any problems. <laughs> well. <laughs> so we look around like, mm, If you well, want to pay the anywhere from 100 to four or 500 a month, great. you can get that option. <laughs> but I will say that, you know, for me, if I was a professional lawn care person, I would keep lawn paint in my truck all the time. A concert on Saturday. The computer has wow, that was scary. goblins okay. or ghosts in it sometimes. But as a lawn care professional, I would have turf paint on me all the time because, one, you can scout the problems. And if there's drought stress or bugs or whatever, a spray of lawn paint will give you two weeks to get the laundry <laughs> cover. And a lot of times you, you'll never realize that there was a problem. So if I'm having a party, I can just paint my lawn. You can. Okay, I might have to think about that, Don. I'm not having a party in the near future, but it's interesting. Okay, you can find a full article on lawn stress on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. And the numbers for you to call, our phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. Coming back with your calls and your texts at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tan Bettis with you, taking your calls at 801-575-8255. Your text questions at 57500. Uh, next listener wants to know, Tan, they have pumpkins, but and their pumpkins have blossoms. Let me get this out, but no fruit has set yet. Is it too late in the season to get pumpkins? Not necessarily. They would ripen in October. And it depends on the variety. If they're the big lunker pumpkins mm-hmm. that are 30 pounds, 20 to 30 pounds, they may not. But if they're more of the jack-o'-lantern size or smaller, there's a chance they will. So I just leave it alone and see what happens. I'm just enjoying my vine. It may not uh, do anything, but at least it's a pretty No, vine. and uh, that July heat really wreaked havoc on a lot of different vegetables. Mm-hmm. So... You know, people growing tomatoes right now that are getting ripe tomatoes probably planted them in early to mid-May, and they had all of June for those tomatoes to set fruit. Well, if you planted later, you know, late May, early June, because of the heat through July, those folks probably are not going to get tomatoes until late August into September. 
And so a lot of the weather, the weather has dictated a lot about our gardens this year. If things got in early, which is sometimes a risk, they had time to set fruit because that July was so hot that a lot of things, you know, green beans, the squash, the uh, tomatoes, peppers, you know, most of those that we we call fruiting vegetables Mm -hmm. may not have set fruit. All right. And that's going to lead us into our 10 o'clock topic. Okay. Which is? Which is trying to get vegetables when it's too hot. Okay, love it. Top of the hour, 10 o'clock. Uh, let's go back to our phone lines. Tiponiwa is in Riverton. Uh, good morning. What is your question? Uh, I have two apple trees. They're about 20 years old. I moved there two years ago. They were already there. And the fruits just keep falling. You know, when they start, you know, very beginning, they start falling from until when the Maybe by this by next month, all of it, most of it will fall off. Just fall off the tree. So, are you what, getting what? any ripe apples? Uh very, very few. Okay, and I how... think I think ninety percent of it fall off. Okay, how often are they being irrigated? How often are they what? Are they being watered? I order them once a week. Once a week, and for how long? For about fifteen minutes. Okay, I think that it's probably a drought response. Those need to be watered, and you may need to get like a piece of rebar or something. But every week to 10 days, those trees need to be watered about 24 inches deep. Oh, okay. And so what you would do is just get some hose-in sprinklers and run them under the trees. But you would want to run them maybe one day for... 30 or 40 minutes, and then the next day for 30 or 40 minutes if you have a clay soil, and just keep letting that water soak in. And you can get that piece of rebar and stick it into the soil, and where the water has penetrated the soil, it'll penetrate the soil easily, and you can determine how deep the water has gone by uh, using that rebar. And once you figure out, okay, it took me watering for 90 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes or twice, you know, once, you know, breaking those up for a couple of days. I think that that would really help, but there are certain varieties of apples where you get a lot of drop through the summer. Do you thin, uh-huh. do you thin the apples in the spring? Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, they come out in the spring, but they start falling off as soon as, you Well, know, what my question is, is when the apples come out and they're about the size of a dime, they need to be thinned to about one apple for every six inches of branch. So you'd leave okay. one apple for six inches and that okay. might help, but I think help. that they need okay. some more irrigation. More yeah. Don't okay. drown them and make sure you're waiting a week between irrigations, but they need to be deep watered weekly to okay. every 10 days at the most. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your call this morning. Next listener, Ton says their wisteria hasn't bloomed for years. How do they encourage blooms? The only thing they can really do is make sure that they're not pruning it. If they're cutting it back, they're cutting off flower buds, most likely. But if there's not, if they are not pruning it and it's not flowering, there's nothing they can mm. do. Um, Can't, there aren't some vitamins? Come on. No, I mean, they could try fertilizing it, but if they over-fertilize it, it may cause a lot of green growth and no flowers, but... If they aren't pruning it and it's still not flowering, about 1 in 10 wisteria will do that, and they may not flower again. 
Oh, that's very frustrating. It is. Okay, so they just have to start all over. They would. And I've heard of some people taking like a wiffle ball bat and going out and beating the trunk. No. Uh, once a month to see. And people swear it helps. I don't know that it does, but huh. you don't want to damage it. But, but you know, maybe if you tell us, it, make it go into what, disaster mode? <laughs> yeah, Survival I don't know. mode or something? Yeah, that I don't know. All right, know, very interesting. Yeah. Okay, we need to take a break. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Gary, you'll be up next when we come back following the news. Number to text your questions, 57500. Let's dig around town with KSL Greenhouse. Check out a self-sustainable food forest on Saturday, August 19th from 11 to 6 at Utah Valley Permaculture Gardens. See thousands of plants, more than 100 fruit trees, and seven kinds of berries. Find out more about the ninth Annual Tour and Taste Open House at permaculturedesignschool.org. Learn the elements of landscape design for water-efficient yards with Weber Basin Water on Saturday, August 9th at 9 a.m. Register at WeberBasin.gov. And travel back in time to the land of the dinosaurs at Thanksgiving Point's Ashton Gardens. Dinosaur Island underway until August 26th. Find out more at ThanksgivingPoint.org. Now we'll look at this week's quick tip. I'm often asked how to keep greater peach tree borer out of nectarines and peaches. The greater peach tree borer is one that gets into the base of the tree and just under the soil and feeds on the conductive tissue. Unfortunately, the only good way to keep the borers out is to continually treat with a registered insecticide throughout the entire summer from mid-June to mid-September. There are organic options mainly containing spinosad. They often need to be sprayed weekly throughout the entire summer. Conventional options need to only be sprayed about every three to four weeks, depending on the particular product. You can also find the Dig Around Town calendar and more fun gardening info at kslnewsradio.com slash greenhouse. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.